Good afternoon. May God bless you. The joy is great, isn't it so? Who among you are happy? Very happy. Extremely happy. A great round of applause for the Lord. Glory to our God who gives us the opportunity to enjoy a very special day. Who among you has the Lord spoken to about this visit? Blessed is our God. We're all very happy with this Bible study. No one expected it. Only God knew about it. God who moves and attaches the heart of our beloved sister Maria Luisa. He allowed for her to be among us today for a beautiful blessing. Let us pray and let us say to him, God of glory, good father, you Lord are great. You Lord are mighty. You are the most beautiful and wonderful being that exists. You know, Lord, that we live for you and because of you. You know, Lord, that you are our everything, Lord. And that today, oh Lord, we feel happy, delighted with this great blessing to be able to accompany our beloved sister Maria Luisa for this wonderful Bible study because miracles are going to happen today. There are going to be works, extraordinary things are going to happen today because Lord, this is your church. This is the place where you allow us to congregate your sons, Lord, your daughters, Lord, and all of us with that thirst, that spiritual hunger of wanting to learn from you. That's why today, Lord, in your infinite mercy, I beg you, I ask of you to cleanse, cleanse the mind, cleanse the heart of each and every one of us who are here today, those who are on their way, so that today we can enjoy a spiritual feast, so that today the power of the Holy Spirit may be poured on us, so that today your knowledge, so that today, oh Lord, you may guide us and teach us through our beloved Sister Maria Luisa. That's why, Lord, we ask that you bless this moment. And all of this, we do it for you and because of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. The Bible states, we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Did you find it? So it states in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. It states, therefore, be imitators of whom? As dear what? And who should we imitate? And for that we need to read what? And pay attention to the Bible studies, the sermons, the reflections. Amen, brothers and sisters? And it states in verse 2, what does it say there? But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, 
nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in where? Of Christ and God. Verse number 14, what does it say? Therefore, he says, what does the Bible say? For all of us, for you who are a newcomer, for you who are receiving this opportunity of getting to know that living God, the God of the Bible, that almighty God, what does it say there? What a wonderful blessing. Isn't that so, brothers and sisters? And in verse 15, it states, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as what? As wise. And what do we, what do we need to do? Verse 16. And what we are doing today means redeeming the time. We have come to learn from the lips of our beloved sister Maria Luisa. The gospel, the doctrine that helps us for what? To be free from the claws of the enemy. And to have that sound mind to be able to fight and attain eternal life. Amen, brothers and sisters? And it states in verse 17, Therefore, do not be what? But understand what? What the will of the Lord is. In verse 18, let us read it. Verse 18. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Blessed is our God. You may be seated, brothers and sisters. And that is what we're going to do. Let us sing hymn number 222. Oh, my sweet Savior. He is mine. He is each of ours. He dwells in your heart and your mind. Amen, brothers and sisters? Let us sing this hymn, hymn 222. Blood. 
blessed and glorified is this living God who gave his life for you and for me and expects so much from us. If you knew how much God expects from you so that you may look upon him and have a desire to follow him. That's why he said that he is the way and the truth and he's the light. Amen, brothers and sisters? How beautiful when we understand this path and know that we need to live for him and because of him. How beautiful when we say, I want to be sincere. I want to convert to God. I want to be a true child of God. And that's something that God rewards and that is something that God blesses. Let us stand up and let us sing a chorus. But before we sing the chorus, I want to share something that I found out about two days ago. In Paraguay, in Paraguay last Sunday, one of the churches in Paraguay, a woman attended who was very swollen. She attended the Sunday service and she was completely swollen. It was astonishing the way she walked in to church. They had to almost basically carry her because she couldn't just do with her legs and her arms. But when our sister began to speak, in the beginning she screamed. But our sister continued teaching and teaching. And this woman did nothing but cry the whole time. When the service ended, she said she had lost more than 15 pounds. May the glory be to our God. God delivered her. Blessed is our God. That's why we're going to sing that chorus that states, Great King is the Lord. It is in chorus 169. Chorus 169, let us sing this chorus to exalt the name of the Lord.
blessed is our God. And the awaited moment has come, the great blessing. Here in Pontagon and throughout the world, we love you, Sister Maria Luisa. Welcome. Good evening, my beloved brothers and sisters. Here from the Church of Fontibon and those who have come from the neighboring church locations. <laughs> A very special greeting to all of you, my beloved brothers and sisters. You do not know the sadness that I feel, the nostalgia that I have, because I can no longer visit the churches. I can no longer go to all the churches as before. And it is impossible. It is not humanly possible to visit all of the churches. It is impossible. And, well, I would tell the brothers and sisters in Las Ferias when the old church was there, and I would say, in time... You will no longer see me in person, but through a video. And I said it as a joke. But now it's coming true because it is so. It is very sad. It is very painful for us as the human beings that we are. And we want to spend time. We want to see each other. We want to talk and greet and to be in person together. And now that it is impossible, it is difficult, it does produce a bit of sadness. And it's always made me sad to see that I can no longer be with the brothers and sisters as I used to about 20 to 25 years ago. When I would go to all of the churches, visiting church by church at that time, there were very few, very few churches. But now it's difficult. Therefore, when people send me a greeting from a church and they say that they're waiting for me and asking me to visit them, it doesn't please me to receive that invitation because I say that's impossible. But, well, brothers and sisters, we, God brings us together through his spirit. God brings us together through his doctrine. You may be seated. Through his doctrine, we are together, united. And the Apostle Paul also said it at one point in one of the letters. He said to a church, I am not there in person, but my spirit is there with you. Therefore, I will say the same thing to you, brothers and sisters, that Although I cannot visit you or to be there in person, know that all of you are in my thoughts and in my heart. And I am always thinking of you. And I am always, thank you. I am always thinking about all of the churches. I am always thinking of everyone from Alaska to Patagonia, all of Canada, the United States, Europe, all the continents, Africa, Asia, Europe, and the islands where the churches are found. 
They are always in my thoughts every day. I am always thinking and I believe that if I think about everyone, it is the Lord who's thinking about them. It is the Lord who is placing his sight upon all peoples, all groups, and all of the different places of the world. And God has his heart and sight placed on them. And that is the only thing that comforts me. Very well, brothers and sisters. I also want to tell you that very soon CDs numbers 11 and 12 are coming out. And also... There is also a CD pending with choruses that I have not yet recorded, but everything is organized. But CDs 11 and 12, I have already recorded and they are being edited. And they tell me that they are not going to release the CD to place in a sound system, but it's going to be through the internet. And that makes me really sad. I don't know if you're going to help me to vote for them to release a physical copy. For them to release a physical copy because I know there are many people, many especially elderly people, adults like me, that have our old sound systems and we place CDs in it. I always put my CDs in. I put the CDs in to listen to the hymns and choruses because I love to listen to the hymns and choruses. And so I do not want to use technology to just go in through the internet and download the app because I feel that it doesn't have the same spiritual feeling. I don't know. So I don't know if you're going to help me to have them release a physical copy. I also want to tell you that I have realized that the congregation, the brothers and sisters, they don't know the hymns. They don't know the music, the melody to them. And the pastors neither. I tell you this is a secret. The pastors, I asked some pastors to sing the hymns and they did not know the melody. I told them to sing choruses and they do not know the melody. Why? Because they got used to, the pastors and the congregation, they got used to listening to the track. They listened to the track. Well, since they have the track, then we just follow the track. But if you knew how interesting it is to learn the melody of the choruses and the hymns and to sing to the Lord a cappella without music, if you knew how much God blesses, he blesses us and he likes when we sing to him. Therefore, it is very necessary for us to learn the melodies and why not to memorize the lyrics as well of the choruses and the hymns. So you take the time out when you pray to the Lord, you take time to sing a hymn to the Lord without music and to know how to sing it. I also know that the Lord rewards what is done with the heart. But it's very lovely to learn the melody. So we ought to put the music on, listen to the hymn, and learn how the melody goes. And it's not enough to just listen to it in church where they put on the track and you are not able to learn it well because of the noise and you are not able to capture the melody of the hymn or the chorus very well. So I do invite you to learn 
to sing to the Lord without music, without a track. Well, I want to tell you that, my beloved brothers and sisters, we work for God one way or another. And, well, at my age, my voice still works, and I give thanks to the Lord for this. Very well. We are going to... We are going to be reading some verses in the Bible, and today we are going to have a Bible study. So we are going to have our Bible study. Some of you may have questions, questions based on the Bible. This video will be viewed around the world wherever there is the Church of the Lord. And so we are going to be reading some verses in Isaiah chapter 52. And we are going to read up to verse 7. In Isaiah 52, from 1 to 7, and it says, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. We know that that is the church, right? Also, let us place ourselves in the timeline, the prophet Isaiah. We know on the timeline, this is before our Lord Jesus Christ. This prophet prophesied, about the church and the Lord Jesus Christ. All of his prophecy has to do with Jesus Christ and the church. And so he says, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. The uncircumcised in that time were the ones who would not get circumcised. And the Lord had said that all who were circumcised would belong to the people of Israel or have the citizenship of Israel. And those who do not want to be circumcised, then they will not belong to the people or have the citizenship of Israel. God said this as a symbol for the future, that the believers in Jesus Christ and those who are not believers, in other words, those who do not believe in Jesus Christ and reject God and do not convert to the Lord much less, they are symbolically the uncircumcised or the unclean. Unclean meaning those people who are committing sin constantly, people who do not have God because they do not want to know him because they don't care. So they are called uncircumcised or unclean. That is why the Lord made circumcision as that sign so that in the future the Lord would say, in the future, those who do not convert themselves to Jesus Christ, to those who do not believe in the Lord or follow God's commandments, they are unconverted, uncircumcised, unclean, people who do not want the things of God. And so here, he is saying that the church of God, he was telling it to put on its beautiful garments because very soon, they would be enjoying of the Savior, the King that would come in the future, our Lord Jesus Christ. That is why in this prophecy given by Isaiah in verse 2 says, Shake yourself from the dust. Symbolically, the church of the Lord at that time was hidden. It was buried under dust. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord, You have sold yourselves for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. The Lord says that they were sold because, Firstly, 
they were in Egypt. They were captive for 430 years. Jacob and his family, that is where the people of Israel was born, and they were captive for 430 years. Then, in this time, the time of Isaiah, he was prophesying that there would also be a punishment for that remnant and that they would also be punished or captive for 70 years in Babylon. That is why he says, You have sold yourselves for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, My people went down at first into Egypt to dwell there. So in other words, during Moses' time. Then the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now, therefore, what have I here, says the Lord, that my people are taken away for nothing? Those who rule over them make them wail, says the Lord, and my name is blasphemed continually every day. When they were captive with those people, since they were idolaters, they would worship other gods. The name of the Lord was blasphemed all the time. And in verse 6, he says, Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. And here... The Lord says something very beautiful for the evangelists, for the prophets, for the teachers, for the pastors, for all of those who would be rising in the future to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 7, the Lord says about those people, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Glory to the Lord. This prophecy has been fulfilled with our Lord Jesus Christ and then with the apostles and then the rest of those who God has placed in the congregation to evangelize, to talk about His word, so that the name of the Lord may be known around the world and in many places. How beautiful is the word of our God. And the Lord says, how beautiful are the feet of those who go and preach. Why did he say the feet? The Lord did not say, how beautiful are the mouths of those who speak the gospel. No, the feet. Because with so much effort, someone has to go to those places to move themselves to those places to go and walk from one place to another in order to preach or proclaim the word of the Lord. So we give thanks to our God because we all here, I believe we are included in this wonderful promise. In one way or another, the Lord uses us to evangelize so that people may know the word of God, right? So we give thanks to our God for this. And now, without further ado, we are going to begin here, this Bible study, the questions around there. Okay, we are going to begin. Sister Mary Luisa, good evening. May God bless you. We are very happy, very joyful. The brothers and sisters of Fontebonne are very happy to, re to welcome you here. And sisters, you were telling us just moments ago that it's very difficult for you to visit all the churches physically. Well, recently, the Lord had been promising it in a very insistent way. 
the brothers and sisters would come up to us and say that the Lord is telling me that the sister's going to visit us soon. And what we would say, well, the sister says it's very difficult, but let us trust in the promise of God. And we can see that God remembered us. And truly for us, where the Bible states that the church is from glory to glory, well, for us, sister, it's the Bible study to Bible study, from glory to glory. And we thank you, sister, for giving us that great opportunity. May God bless you greatly, thank sister. You. Sister, my question is found in Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number seven. Yes. Here, the chapter is making a contrast between wisdom and foolishness. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Yes, ma'am. Ecclesiastes 7. Here, the Bible is making a contrast between wisdom and foolishness. And concretely here in verse 20, sister, it states, For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. My question is in regards to the fact that there are brothers and sisters that might use this verse to say that for them there's no hope in reaching perfection here on earth using this verse as an argument. And sister, we know that you have taught us that it is possible and that's why we are here. And sister, maybe if you could explain this yes. topic a little bit further. And we ought to learn to distinguish between committing sin and what it means to live a sinful life. We ought to learn these things because they are two different things. To live a sinful life is what God does not want. The Lord says, keep my commandments, fulfill my commandments, do not carry on committing sins. Because to live consistently committing sin is what is bad. If someone said they committed sin, it was a momentary thing. Perhaps they are a righteous person because they're speaking about a righteous person. As a human being, it is saying here that as a human being, they are not perfect. And so at some point in their life, due to a circumstance, they made a mistake. For example, they were angry. They were angry because they did not do a job right. Maybe he has employees and their employees did not work well and so he became angry. And he was so angry that he mistreated his employees and even suspended them from their job. And that person was a man of God, a believer, a follower of the Lord, someone who is called righteous because they are not consistently committing sin but in one moment, this happened where they made those mistakes and he was moved by that anger. And then he committed a sin out of anger. But that doesn't mean that he is always angry and every day doing things angrily. No, it was just for a moment. He committed that mistake. He made a mistake. For that moment, once he made that mistake, he says, no, I should not have given free reign to my flesh. I should have had more patience. I should have controlled myself. That is what happens. That is what this means. This verse when it says, for there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. No, 
because we are human beings. And as human beings, perhaps there is a moment to make a mistake or to insult you or to yell at you. Or I said something that offended you. I made that mistake. This is what this means. But I am not doing it every day. It is not constant. That is not within me. It was just something that happened because the devil might have placed that trap and made me fall in this mistake for that moment. Therefore, when someone says that a person lives a sinful life, that means that it's every day. Someone who is committing adultery, inebriated, stealing. So that is their profession. That is their job. That is their habit. That means that they are a sinner. And so we ought to know how to distinguish what it means to live a sinful life and someone who makes a mistake or commits a sin, we say, because the Lord says, do not bear grudges. Perhaps someone harmed you in an awful way, so much so that you became angry and you bear grudges because of this. Even in the congregation, at times, I want to tell you that the Lord has used me to tell a sister and tell her, Sister, you are bearing grudges to that sister who is there. You bear grudges against her. You are very angry against that sister. And she says, Yes, I am angry because she insulted me, because they lied and they accused me and they did this. And so I'm very angry and I'm filled with grudges. I am mad at her. What does that mean? A person who is righteous. But she committed a mistake. And the Lord admonished her. The Lord said, No, remove that grudge and that anger from your heart and be patient. And there we learn. Thank you very much. This question is very interesting. I do not know if you understood, brothers and sisters. I think that you all understood these small details that happen momentarily. That is why the Holy Spirit in prophecy tells us, Be patient. Because when we do not have patience, we become anxious, we get angry, and we do things that are not good before the Lord. And that is called what? Sinning. Sinning. Very well. We have understood. Let us continue. Sister Mary Luisa, good evening. May God bless you. Welcome to the Church in Fontibon. My question is is found in Acts chapter number 16, verse number 6. Acts 16, verse 6. Yes, brother, you may read. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Sister, in the books of, of the Gospels and the Gospel according to Matthew and the other Gospels, the Lord sent his disciples to preach the word throughout different locations and wherever they were not receiving the word, for them to brush the dust off of their sandals. My question is, what would cause for the sister to give the prohibition to not allow them to preach in Asia? Was God protecting their life or testing their obedience? 
And nowadays, can the Lord also give us this order? It is probable that the Lord gives an order like this, what he did at that time. We do not know what happened. It could have been that he wanted to save their lives. It could be that those people did not deserve to have the word of the Lord preached to them. It could be that they had a curse. Let us remember that in antiquity, there were many curses for many tribes. Therefore, the Lord perhaps saw that they were already cut off from the presence of God and therefore it would be a waste of time to preach to them. Well, so many reasons. There were so many reasons for the Lord to prohibit them, also testing them to see if they would obey or not. Well, so many things could have happened. Those are our speculations. Today, does the Lord do this? Well, with the prophets, and we know that the prophets or the prophetesses, it is very different from those who have the spiritual gift of prophecy, right? I always reiterate so that we may learn and that we may know. Those who have the spiritual gift of prophecy, brothers or sisters who have the spiritual gift of prophecy, it is very different than a prophet or a prophetess. So the prophet or prophetess, the Lord uses them more. Let us say more. The prophet is like Isaiah, Jeremiah, all who God gave a revelation to, then they would go and speak to people. God says, God shows this and that. They do not need to lay hands. They just speak and God is revealing to them. And that is what God does with a prophet or a prophetess. Therefore, if the Lord today does something similar, something similar, he can. I have testimonies, but I cannot share this to the church because there are many people who are weak in faith, in knowledge, where they are not going to understand. And they use this in order to prophesy it to people. So that is why I prefer to keep it to myself. But brothers and sisters, if you ask if God today does these things, he does. And God has used me in many situations similar to this one, and I have done it. God has told me many things, and I have seen it become a reality, the fulfillment, the order of God, and I have seen that it all has been true. Therefore, God does this. And let us remember, brothers and sisters, in Ephesians 4.11, as I was telling you the other day, that the Lord in the church, in every congregation, he has placed, I know that he has placed, prophets, evangelists, teachers, apostles, that are still not exercising the duties that they are meant to perform, but they are already working. They are beginning to work. So God uses them that way just as he used the apostles in the time of the early church. And that is the happiness. And now I am happy. Before, I was so sad because I did not see in the church these people. And now I'm seeing them in the church. So this fills me with so much joy. This should make us 
feel more steadfast and convinced once again that this church or congregation is God's. This congregation is being led by the Lord, being led by God, by the Holy Spirit. This is what encourages me because I am seeing the fulfillment of the Bible and the promises of the Lord from over 50 years ago. Very well. Did you finish your question, brother? Very well. Let us continue. Good afternoon, Sister Maria Luisa. What a joy it is to have you in Colombia and in this beautiful location of our church. Sister, I have a question in Matthew, if you allow me. Yes, sister. In Matthew... Matthew 13. We know that this chapter speaks of the parables, but my question is in verse 51 and 52. Verse 51 says, Jesus said to them, Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he said to them, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. My question, Sister Maria Lisa, is that we know that everything we find in the Bible is very profound. And if this verse is making reference to the treasures we find in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that is my question, sister, and may God bless you always. We need to read the entire Bible because it is not as some religions that say the Old Testament has passed and now we need to live or read the New Testament. No, because then the New Testament would be the branches of the tree and we need to delve into the roots and continue with the trunk until we reach the branches, which is the New Testament, in order to understand and comprehend the word of the Lord. We always have to go back and read, then go forward in the middle at all parts, continue reading to understand, to study, to reflect, to search, to delve into the word and to do it with all of our hearts so that God may also bless us and so that God may see that we are very interested in knowing his ways. So the Lord always tells us to read the Bible because there are still many things that are hidden. There are many secrets. There are many mysteries. And we ought to read everything from beginning to end. Let us continue. Sister Mary Luisa, good evening. May God bless you greatly. Sister, I have a question. And I would like to use Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 as a reference. Ezekiel 2, 1 and 3. Yes, brother, you may read. Thank you, sister. It reads in verse number one. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then the spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet and I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. Sister, my question is based on 
the fact that the Lord spoke to the prophet Ezekiel calling him son of man, and the Lord Jesus Christ would refer to himself as the son of man in the New Testament. So my question is regarding the relationship between the between Ezekiel and the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps if the Lord had more fondness to the prophet Ezekiel, or if there was some other type of symbolism. Thank you, sister. May God bless you. Here in the books of the prophets, we see that the Lord would call the prophets son of man. And also to the Lord Jesus Christ, he would refer to him as the son of man because he was a prophet. The Lord Jesus was a prophet as well. And since the Lord also was a human being, he behaved like a human being. So he gave himself that description. And the Lord never said that he was God, but that he was the one who is sent. And he always mentioned the Father, and he would always say, the Son of Man, or the Prophet, has nowhere to lay his head. He would tell those who followed him, so that those who followed him would be sincere, but he always talked about himself in this way, as the son of man, as the prophets, the Lord would say to them, son of man, they were prophets sent by God. And the Lord Jesus Christ was also a prophet. Aside from being the son of God, the savior and the king, he was a prophet. Let us continue. Good evening, sister. May God bless you. Sister, I want to ask you a question regarding mercy. I had asked the Lord if money and power destroyed people and he gave me a dream and said, no, what hinders them is what is in their hearts. And as I researched in the Bible, I see many examples like those of Joshua, Job, Abraham, and money and power never affected their behavior. Nowadays, we see people who have money and power and their behavior is not the best and they offend people. But there are moments where we are able to see their sensitive side and we see that they suffer quite a lot and we think of mercy. And additionally, in the book of experiences, the brother shared that you enjoyed the unruly and difficult sheep and that you would arm yourself with sound reasonings and the power of God and highlighted your patience so that no soul would be lost. And in that, I also see mercy. So respectfully, sister, I would like if you could go in depth about mercy. Thank you a lot, sister. Have mercy. Have compassion. We should go and put ourselves in other people's shoes to feel what the other person feels when one says, I want to put myself in your shoes. So in other words, what are you feeling? Are you suffering? Are you anxious? Are you sad? Are you sick? Are you in need? And then I say, if it were me in those conditions, what would I want from people? What would I hope from others? I hope that others would help me, comfort me, extend a helping hand, give me a word of hope. That, that is what you hope for. And that is putting yourself in other people's shoes. When one does this, then that is called having mercy. 
because you have to go and think the person is suffering. They are feeling a kind of pain, sadness. They are lacking something basic. If it were me, what would I do? That person is expecting the best from me. Mercy. That is why it says that the Lord had so much mercy because we, humankind, was dead in sin, living a sinful life constantly, and they were dead for God. But God, in that mercy, said, I am going to have mercy on all of these people, and I am going to give them a way of salvation. I am going to send them the Messiah. So, that he may save them, so that he may keep, protect, and shepherd them, so that he may give them happiness. And that which God did is an example, so that we also may do it with one another. So that is mercy, to have compassion and to feel other people's pain. If others are suffering, then I should also suffer. And if they are happy, then I am happy with their happiness. So. I am happy because you're happy. I am joyful, but I am sad if you are sad. Why are you sad? Because of this or that? Then me too. I am going to ask the Lord to have mercy and to help you because that makes me sad. That is mercy, sister. So we, since we are always trying to find ways to please our God, then we are should be aware of all of these things in love, mercy, patience, kindness, tolerance, respect for people because each person here is a completely different universe. So we are here trying to be together in harmony. We ought to have God in our heart and be patient with one another, have a lot of love and care and tolerance for one another because there are some people who have many flaws Others have different qualities and virtues. Others have very few flaws. And so we ought to have patience and tolerate one another and to pray for one another and to respect, to respect each other and to value each other and to understand overall here in the congregation, the brothers and sisters who prophesy, they become mothers and fathers of the believers. And so they ought to keep watch over people instead of yelling at people, scolding them and humiliating them, saying, do not sit here. Go to the back. Why are you here in this first pew? You do not deserve to be here. Or you stop greeting them or you insult them. No, that is a lack of mercy. Mercy is to talk to people, to care for them, to smile, to speak kindly. Here we are going to leave these pews so that others can sit here. This is for newcomers. This is for people who are here for the first time. Well, children, they yell and they play, so it's better for them to sit in the back. But everything done with patience, kind words, with good manners, and with warmth. All of this entails mercy. Very well, let us continue. Let us continue. Yes, sister. Sister Maria Luisa, good evening. Welcome. I have a question, and I will reference three biblical passages. It is in Psalms 14, verse 3. 
You have always taught us about this psalm where, where in prophecy through King David, God tells us, They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, no, not one. You have taught us in the Bible that in antiquity, those perfect ones like King David was because he was not an idolater. When our Lord Jesus Christ came to save us and proclaim the good tidings, we find in the scriptures that there were some individuals that God called righteous. We have the case in Luke 1 of Zechariah the priest and his wife Elizabeth, where in verse 6 it says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. In Luke 2, verse 25, we find that God called Simeon just, and also Joseph, Mary's husband. We want to understand, in the Old Testament, what did it mean to be righteous, and if that prophecy in Psalms had a time and expired. And for example, this couple that served the Lord where the Lord had such a great plan with them, through them came John the Baptist. Were they excluded from what this psalm reads? Well, the psalm did not expire. It expired because it was speaking about the people of Israel, that God had looked upon humankind, not so much humankind, but the people of Israel. And there was none who did good. One thing is for someone to do good and another for this person to be righteous. In antiquity, we had many righteous people. Abraham, Moses, Job, all of them were righteous. King David and so on. But there were many things that they did, many different offenses that they committed. To not say to commit a sin, we say to commit an offense. They made mistakes or errors. So there are two different things. When what you read in Matthew that says that this priest who was righteous and was waiting on the Lord, he was a righteous man because he loved God and God was in his heart and he was waiting for God to send the Savior, the perfect King that he had offered, that he had promised through the prophets of antiquity. And that priest would read the scriptures and he knew that God was going to send a king, a person to save them. So he waited for God. He trusted in God. But when it says that there was none who did good, it was because no one was fulfilling the law of Moses completely. No one was fulfilling everything that Moses said that had to be done. They were not doing it even the righteous ones themselves. Not because that righteous person did not want to do it, but because they were not allowed, because they were in bondage. Let us remember that they were slaves of the Roman Empire. They were people who were uncircumcised, pagan, and they were the ones who ruled over the Israelites, the Jews. And so 
They had them there as prisoners as well, as slaves in a way. But the righteous were there, hidden in their homes, waiting for God's mercy, God's blessings. But they could not fulfill, they could not do the law of Moses. They were infringing upon the law of Moses, you see? So it was this. It says, they all turned aside. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. So God also had his remnant. And that remnant was the group that trusted and waited for God, although they were not fulfilling all the commandments. But God was in their heart. And so that is what occurred for that time that apparently one says it's contradictory because it says that they are righteous, but then God said that there was not one who would do what was good. So this is what occurred. They would forbid them to do things that they needed to do for God in order to please God. Not because they did not want to, but because they were not allowed. This is the difference between that righteous man that it speaks of in Luke, where the Lord gave the opportunity for him to see the Lord. Was he not John's father? I believe that that was John the Baptist's father. Very well, let us continue. And sister, I can tell that you read the Bible a lot. Press on because God is going to give you many spiritual gifts. Let us continue. Good evening, Sister Maria Luisa. I have a question based on the Bible in the second book of Kings, chapter number 3, verse 15. In 2 Kings 3.15 it reads, But now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And in 1 Chronicles 25.1 it reads, Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for the service some of the sons of Asaph, of Heman, and of Jeduthun, who should prophesy with harps, stringed instruments, and cymbals. My question is, sister, if you could please teach us? It seems to me that in order to prophesy, the prophets of antiquity would use musical instruments. And if you could please teach us a bit more about this, if and if nowadays we can find this in a prophet of God. And what relationship do musical instruments have with prophets or prophecy? Well, not all the time, no. It is not that at that time for the prophets, in order to give a prophecy, they needed musical instruments, no. It was simply just moments, opportunities, simply because the prophet, on a whim, wanted... Since here, he was before a king. Elisha was here. It says before the king of Israel. And those people, they treated them very badly. They humiliated them. And so he wouldn't just prophesy. So simply saying, I will prophesy that easily. No, it needed to be done with effort. So he said, bring me a musician. In order to bring a musician, they needed to be there ahead of time. It wasn't that they were 
behind the door waiting. Therefore, it was simply a way to show the king that he didn't need to humiliate people just because and to humiliate a prophet. And so he just wanted to. And so he said, bring me a musician. He could have given prophecy without music, but he said, bring me the musician. And so he did it. But it was for him to make an effort. Also, in Saul's case with David, he would play the harp and there were evil spirits that disturbed King Saul. And David would play the harp and the evil spirits would leave. And so all of this was God's will. God wanted for him to have a bit of peace by listening to the music. And there are parts in the Bible where we see that he was playing an instrument and it wasn't so much for the Spirit of God to come, but it was simply to give the person a job to do and to say, wait, it's not that simple. Just like Naaman the Syrian, when he had leprosy, he sent a servant to the prophet Elisha and told him that he was leprous. He said, bring him to me so that he can pray over me and that my leprosy may go away. But the prophet did not want to go. And he said, tell him to go and wash in the Jordan seven times. And he sent them to do some work. It wasn't that the waters of the Jordan River were miraculous. It was just simply that this prophet said, since that person has been so rebellious and stubborn and they do not know of God, so let them work for it because it's not going to be so easy for God to give him that miracle. He can do it, but I'm going to make him work for it. So go and wash yourself seven times in the river. It was simply this, just for them to obey, to do something so that things wouldn't be so easy because it wasn't difficult for him to say, yes, God has healed him. Very well. Today, God also does the same things with us. Today, in his church with the prophets, today, the prophets and the evangelists and the teachers, they are in the church in order to perfect the believers, to perfect their spiritual lives, and also to bless because God also blesses. Because then people have a need, and God reveals to the prophet to say, Do not worry. You will be healed. You will be with the doctor at the hospital and he's going to help you so that you may have your surgery and God is going to be with them and to not worry. So God comforts, God blesses today as well through them. But in regards to the music, this was according to the person. According to the person, the prophet, it seems as God tells them what their behavior should be in order to give them a revelation. Today, these things have happened. Today also, I don't like giving a testimony to everyone because of the newcomers who might not understand and will twist things and misinterpret. But today, the same situations happen because God is now raising prophets and prophetesses. And the Lord has done many things, but we do not make this public. We are not going to make these things public because then 
it would give way to misunderstandings. People can twist things and it could also give way to idolatry. So it's just better for those who receive the benefit, they will discover this. Simply the person who receives the benefit, they will discover this. And since we don't want to attract attention, we do not want any of that, but just to serve the Lord and work for the Lord. But today also, therefore, we are not going to envy the prophets of antiquity because today God is also working wonders in his church. Yes, very well. Let us continue. Hello, good evening, uh, brother and sister and may the Lord bless you. El Señor les bendiga. I have a question. It's personal. It's not out of the Bible. Uh, Tengo una personal. No es de la Biblia. Actually, I'm from Bangladesh, but I have my original religion is Buddhist. Yo soy de Bangladesh. Mi religión con la que nací es budista. But since 2018, I come. Uh, Colombia and I follow the Christian. Pero desde el 2018 yo vine a Colombia y me he convertido en un seguidor del Señor. Soy ahora cristiano. So uh, and my question is. Thank you. So my question is, uh, I I read the Bible and brother from the. Also me about the so. Yo ahora leo la Biblia y vengo a la iglesia y aquí los hermanos, el hermano me ha enseñado acerca de la idolatría y de los ídolos. Entonces, es acerca de la idolatría porque mi familia, ellos son budistas y ellos siguen estos ídolos. So, I want to be, I try to contact with them and I got the communication, but I was talking about the Christian church and those I follow in Colombia right now. Yo hablé con ellos y les compartí de la iglesia y les hablé que ahora yo sigo a Dios y les quise compartir un poco más de la iglesia. So my question is, I should have to keep that good relationship with them, with my family, or I have to be uh, disconnected to them. So. Y mi pregunta es, hermana, si yo debo de seguir la comunicación con ellos, mantener una buena comunicación con ellos, o más bien debo de mantener una distancia porque ellos continúan siguiendo a los ídolos. This is the, my question. Thank you so much, Sister María Luisa. Esta es mi pregunta. Muchas gracias, hermana María Luisa. I don't think you should lose contact with people, but follow this way that you have known or you are knowing because God is going to bless you. He's going to deliver you and he's going to give you a full understanding of the true way that leads to happiness to the other life because there is another life. There exists another spiritual world after this one. So God wants to bless you and bring you to that place. But do not lose contact with them because one day you will have the opportunity to teach them and to speak to some of them, to testify to some of them about what you are living. But it's not time yet. 
The time has not come for that to happen. For now, press on. Press on. Because God is going to give you many blessings. He is going to also help you materially, materially, financially. God will be helping you. And he is going to be blessing you. And he is going to be teaching you. And you are going to have dreams where God is going to show you many things for you to learn in dreams. God is going to teach you. Press on. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. May God bless you. The last one. The last one. Sister Mary Luisa, I am very joyful and my faith continues to grow. I've been thinking about something and I have a question regarding worship in regards to praising God, the Heavenly Father, the Son, our Redeemer, and the Holy Ghost, which is written in the first hymn of our wonderful hymnal, Doxology. We praise all of them, but I've noticed, sister, that we don't praise the Holy Spirit in the same manner that we praise God the Father and God the Son, who deserve all praise and glory. And the Holy Spirit, the praise we give Him is, it seems to me, less fluid, with less intensity. I try to praise the Comforter every time I go to the worship services because I've noticed that few people do so among us. And so that is my question. Why do we praise the Holy Spirit at a lower level, a lower intensity? Brother, we worship God because God is one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we worship our God. And of course, when we pray to God and we ask for something, we do it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ as that human person that existed because that is how he taught us. He said, everything that you ask to the Father in my name, I will do it. And we just obey. And we ask God for our petitions, our needs, our wishes in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we worship, we worship our God, our Father, our King, the Holy One, the Righteous One, and there are all three. Yes. We do not need to say, Holy Spirit, we worship you. No, we don't need to. It's just, Lord, you are the creator. You made us with your hand. You are the righteous one. You are the good shepherd, our divine teacher, our king. And there, all three are there in that worship. Because we do it according to how the Bible teaches us as well. Very well, brother. Yes, brother. Sister Maria Luisa, good evening. May God support and bless you greatly. Sister Maria Luisa, my question is based on Hebrews 12, two verses, 6 and 7. Hebrews 12, verse 1. 6 and 7. Yes. And I was searching the love of God in these two verses because it says that when the Lord loves us, He chastens us because He sees us as important people to Him. And, well, me, I came to the church a long time ago. The Lord allowed me to have very beautiful experiences with you. He taught me through dreams who you were for Him. He allowed me to have many beautiful experiences. But I started to take life in church as to just come here, serve the Lord, and that's it. And I had a spiritual blindness where I committed many errors. 
And as you taught, we have to pray to the Lord and ask for his punishment to not fall upon us. And it shames me to say it, but I, the Lord punished me and I lost everything. What it says in 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. I, God knows my heart and I never felt the want to leave church because I said to the Lord, Lord, you brought me out of a very dark place. I can face many difficult situations, Lord. If I say it or not, you know what's in my heart. Because the Lord, through you, sister, you, he teaches us that he's a God of opportunity. And in a prophecy, he told me, to, and don't ask me to forgive you any, any longer because I have forgiven you. And he has forgiven me because he knew the faults that I had committed. Sister, this question is in regards to the people that serve the Lord within the church. And when people know that you committed a fault, they are the judges, the prosecutors. And in one way or another, they didn't give the place, the first place to God and they left the church. But there are others who are brave and stay in church. And sister, you taught regarding mercy. Sometimes we forget that when a person commits a fault, they recognize it before God and we want to come to church to feel that that to feel refreshed and sister you teach us and you show us with a character trait that you have is that you don't pay attention to the commentaries of people but sometimes sister i've thought of this with the lord and when i've come to the church and I say lord look look at your daughter she has been that a great example to follow that example that you give us to say, yes, it is possible to leave behind sin, to leave behind materialism and to leave behind sin and be an example for people. And, but, and I said, Lord, but look, sometimes many people make you feel bad and it hurts. It hurts, sister. That's my question, sister. How can we make people understand that God through you in these 50 years since the Old Testament God, through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, said, judge not, because you also have your own sins. Well, the Lord doesn't say exactly that, but we know that we all have our sins. That's my question, sister. Well, brother, it's not so much a question, but the brother is sad and hurt because he made a mistake at some point and people within the congregation know it. They knew him. They found out about the situation and now they still want to look down on him, disapprove of him, and in some way belittle him, judge him. And so we ought to all learn that we are all human beings and we all make mistakes and the devil is there ready to make people fall right? The devil is always there ready to make people fall. But we must not become judges. We must not become judges because the only judge is God. He is the only one who can give a ruling of what is in people's hearts. Therefore, I told you in the beginning that one needs to be very careful and treat people with kindness, with respect, with manners. 
to not be partial with people, to not think that since they did something, they continue to do it because then the Lord would say to us, well, clean yourself first, whatever you have, in order to judge someone else. We cannot become judges, but we ought to have patience and mercy. Lay hands upon the person if you believe that this person is failing God. If you believe this, then it's better for you to lay hands on them and ask God to bless them, to deliver them, to ask God for this person to be in good standing with the Lord. But when we do this, it is because we are walking righteously. We consider that we are living a righteous life before the Lord and have the authority to go and lay hands and to rebuke and to tell the Lord to deliver him and to make him in good standing. We ought to be honest. Honest, we ought to be. If we have weaknesses, mistakes, flaws, if we still have our pride there, because pride is a very big flaw, if there is pride, that pride makes me behave badly with other people and I cannot be taught and I do not help others, but I become a judge looking and criticizing perhaps. Therefore, we must not be this way. We ought to be honest, righteous, upright, merciful to help people. If this person comes to church, it is because they are making an effort to continue in God's way. It's worse to be out in the world and doing worse things. So every person that comes here, you ought to receive them with warmth because this person is making an effort to seek God's way. Therefore, we must always be careful. And brother, take that pain out of your heart because you also have made a world that everyone looks at you and criticize you, that they don't love you, they don't like you, that they look at you badly. No, remove that. Remove that from your heart and free yourself from these things. And don't think about that. When you come here, come thinking about worshiping God, seeking God, receiving the spiritual things. Think very much about receiving the spiritual things and you will see how your life will change. And do not feel anxious. Be patient with people. Be patient with the others. Because if you see that someone is looking at you badly and you say, they are discriminating me, they are judging me, maybe you're mistaken. Because maybe that person has evil spirits and it's their spirits that are manifesting, not the person themselves. And you're the one that is suffering this situation. So, brother, you should also Make an effort and do not come here thinking that I am going to go to church and see who is looking at me badly to see if someone is going to tell me to move from where I'm sitting. No, brother, do not be this way because you are also being too hasty. Do not be quick to judge. Forget about all of those things. Welcome. You have returned to the fold. You yourself have said that you have turned away. So press on. Seeking the spiritual things. Continue steadfastly. Let us continue. Oh, no. We have finished. We are going to pray. We are going to say goodbye. We are going to pray and say goodbye, brothers and sisters. We are going to be praying to the Lord. You already know, brothers and sisters, that you have your needs. 
you have your petitions, you have your wishes, you have promises that the Lord has made you. And you want for God to fulfill those promises soon. In our prayer, we are going to remind the Lord all of these things. Also, all of the illnesses. The Lord sometimes heals miraculously. Sometimes he heals through a surgery or by going to a hospital or for a doctor to see you. Either way, he heals in many different ways. No matter the means, let us trust in the Lord. He is the one who is there with us with his powerful hand, his healing hand. Let us trust in the Lord. Let us not doubt because God does not want us to doubt. He wants us to trust completely in him. So we are going to pray for illnesses. And also, if there are people who suffer from witchcraft, curses, there are some people who say, in prophecy, he told me that they are doing witchcraft on me. Do not worry. If the Lord is saying that they are doing witchcraft or placing curses on you, do not feel anxious. The Lord is telling you what they are doing to you, but he does not allow for that witchcraft to be effective. You just simply say, Lord, keep me. You said that they are doing witchcraft on me, but keep me safe and rebuke all of that witchcraft and do not allow the enemy to come against me because I'm following you and I love you and I am your child. So you must not be anxious. There are people who are anxious because they prophesy this to them. And if the person who is prophesying is prophesying that they are doing witchcraft on the person, then rebuke after the prayer. Pray over that person that you're prophesying to. And if I'm prophesying and then I say to this person, they are doing witchcraft on you, then what is my duty? I finish praying and I say, Lord, rebuke all witchcraft that they are doing against this person. Rebuke it. Do not allow for the devil to come against them. Did you understand me, brothers and sisters? Those who prophesy, you ought to do the job completely. It isn't only to prophesy and say, oh, you are going to be involved in an accident. Goodbye. No. Lord, keep him safe from that accident. Do not allow for that accident to occur. Protect them. This is a trap of the devil. That is what we ought to do. We ought to give prophecy, but also to give the solution and to rebuke and to pray. That is the duty of a prophesier. We ought to learn. We ought to learn how to prophesy. So those who are listening, do not worry. Trust in the Lord. Let us pray. Holy Father, Heavenly Father, Eternal God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our powerful God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, our God who manifested himself in antiquity. You manifested yourself with your prophets. You gave many blessings to many people. Lord, you are the same. Today, you are the same God, powerful God, who rules over us, who blesses us. You are with us. You watch over us from your throne, from where you are, looking upon us. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you because you humble yourself to look upon us. Thank you, my Heavenly Father. Blessed and worshipped is your name. Powerful are you, O Lord. May you be glorified forever. You are holy, my Lord. The worship is yours. 
The honor is yours. The glory is for you, my Lord and powerful God. Holy King, righteous King, merciful King, we give you thanks. We worship you, Lord. We give you the glory and the honor. We also ask you, Lord, for mercy. For all of those who are sick, look upon the different illnesses. Look, Lord, how the devil comes to punish, to test, to place tribulations upon your children, placing illnesses out of envy because the enemy does not want for them to work in your vineyard. The enemy does not want for them to work to win over souls for your kingdom. And that is why he places illnesses. But you, my Lord, your powerful and healing hand, healing from head to toe, each person, man or woman, who is sick from any illness, even if it is an uncurable illness, extend your powerful hand and heal, cleanse, and deliver, Holy Father, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, because He is the divine doctor. Blessed is the Lord. We also ask that you extend your hand and deliver and rebuke unclean spirits, witchcraft curses. Rebuke, O Lord. Keep your children. Keep those who follow you, wait on you. Keep them. Protect them, O Lord. Rebuke the enemy and cleanse each person and deliver. Bless the elderly, the children, youth, those who come to church, the young people. Keep them from those dangerous ways that there are in these moments with science and technology. There is danger. Therefore, I ask that you have mercy upon all of your children, my Lord. Thank you, my Father. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we ask you all of these things, my Lord. We worship you and we give you the glory and the honor and the worship. May the honor and glory and worship be for you forever. Help us, O Lord, to follow your ways, to worship you and bless you and honor you with all of our heart and being. Chorus 90, Chorus 90. Toma por favor mi mano, Señor, contigo quiero ir, con sangre aquí pagaste por mí.
Thanks be to the Lord. Thanks be to our God for the blessings that the Lord is giving all of you. To all the Lord is giving many blessings. Thank you very much, brothers and sisters, for your kindness. Thank you for all of the brothers and sisters who are all the way in the back, whom I cannot see, and you cannot see me, but in eternity we are going to see each other because there's a lot of space. Very well. Thank you, brothers and sisters. May God bless you. May God bless you. See you soon.